For those of you who have been listening to our podcast, you can already tell that this one will be a little bit different. Instead of presenting a sermon to you, we're going to be presenting to you the one who will be presenting sermons to you. And that will begin this coming Sunday morning. My name is Neil Cook. I'm a member of and the social media coordinator for the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. And it is my real pleasure to welcome and help introduce to you our new pulpit minister, Matthew Ballantyne. Instead of a lengthy introduction by me, Matthew will be introducing himself as we go through our discussion together. So Matthew, on behalf of the Ninth Avenue congregation and our listeners, welcome. Thank you very much, Neil. It is so good to be here. It has been a long road, it feels like, to get to this point over the last month and a half, but it is good to finally call Haleyville home. Matthew, I want to cover four main areas in our discussion. Your personal background, your professional background, your family, and your vision. So if it's okay, let's get started. Sounds good. We know from what's already been posted on our social media that you've moved here from Kingston, Tennessee. Uh, In fact, you got here this past Tuesday night, about midnight as I understand Mm -hmm. it, and hopefully you've recovered a little bit since then. But let's go back to the very beginning. Uh, That sounds like a biblical thing to do. So if you will, tell us when and where you were born and, and tell us about your parents. Well, as a matter of fact, I was born just up the road in Florence, Alabama at the old ECM hospital. Um, So the first several years of my life up until I was 10, uh, I was a North Alabama boy uh, born to uh, Richard and Melinda Ballantyne. My mom grew up in Savannah, Tennessee. My dad is from the Waterloo area. Uh, both of my families, I make the joke that I am a thoroughbred. I have a granddaddy that has been in ministry for for over 60 years now. And so that was always uh, a very big presence in our family. You know, that's on my mom's side. On my uh, dad's side, uh, his dad was a song leader in that northwest Alabama quarter, uh, just about everywhere, an elder in the church. And then all of my great-granddaddies served as elders. So um, even before I showed on, up onto the picture, uh, my path was almost predetermined for me. So uh, I have a strong family Christian heritage, and it's something that I very much appreciate in my life. I know that for sure. Are there any other memories from your childhood or your teenage years that, uh, that you'd like to tell us about? Um. You know, when I was 10 years old, we moved to Savannah, uh, very, very much like uh, what we've just done with my oldest daughter, who is nine years old. She was riding with me the other day, and I remember having uh, a very similar conversation with my dad when we decided to leave, and or when they decided to leave and move to Savannah. She said, Dad, she goes, I don't know what I'm going to do without my friends. She said, my world's just never going to be the same. And I remember feeling that way as a young kid moving even just an hour up the road uh, to Savannah where I had family and we had people that we loved there. But that really was, especially in a spiritual way, the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. I was able to uh, be a part of the Savannah Church of Christ where at the time that church was hitting its stride and becoming one of uh, the greatest churches that I've ever really been a part of. And it was while I was developing as a young Christian, and I very much benefited from the men 
uh, that were associated with that youth program, the uh, the youth ministers that I had while I was there, uh, even the preaching minister uh, took a very uh, unique way in, in mentoring me. And and for that, those are some of the greatest memories that, that I've got uh, in my life is those times in that youth group, the mission trips that we were able to be a part of the training that I got of how to be a young Christian man that translates into ministry. And I hope, and it is, we'll talk about vision later, but it really is my hope that we get to create that same type of environment here in Haleyville that I was able to experience in Savannah as I grew up. The next thing I wanted you to talk about for a few minutes, and you've kind of gone into this a little bit, talking about your your grandfather and and those that you became involved with during your childhood, as far as exposure to ministry. Is there anything else you want to tell us about what may have led you into the ministry to the preaching of the gospel? You know, I cannot remember a time that. Preaching is not what I wanted to do. That that is just who I've always wanted to be, and what I've always wanted to do. Now, my granddaddy had about a big part in that because I saw him uh, and the way he preached, and and saw him on a very regular basis as we were growing up, uh, fulfilling that role. And I just always wanted to do that. Now, as I got into uh, my my high school years, of course. My uh, my youth ministers provided an opportunity to expand on that desire, but you know, just in my core, just in my soul, there is nothing else that I would rather do than try to reach the lost for Jesus. That's just a passion that I have. Along with that passion, equally is creating disciples, um, not just getting them wet and moving on, but uh, but creating disciples out of them as well and. And that was really instilled in me by, by a handful of men uh, growing up and something I'm very grateful for. Well, you, you had that exposure and you saw what other people did and that developed in you the desire to go into the ministry. Uh, so I'm sure then you decided you wanted to start formally training for uh, doing that uh, as a service uh, to God. So uh, just tell us about your formal training. Um, when I graduated high school, I attended Freed Hardeman for two and a half years. I have um, continued studying uh, through Heritage Christian. At one point, uh, Sunset Christian Online uh, have kind of been my, for, if you could call my classroom setting, um, my classroom setting education. Uh, the, the word formal, I've thought a lot about that word as you kind of shared with me some things we were going to talk about. The word formal education and ministry is a very intriguing word uh, because classroom education and ministry only gets you so far. Uh, formal education comes from really being involved uh, in ministry firsthand, uh, which comes with just being in church, doing work. Uh, as a minister, uh, a lot of my greatest training, I really believe this, has come through true discipleship from other ministers, from guys that have taken me under their wing, uh, and I have spent time sharing ideas and thoughts with them. I have a couple of men that uh, that have just, they've taught me how to study the Bible for myself, 
and and not really relying on other people's interpretation of the Word of God. And so my training, I think, uh, for me anyway, has been a very unique journey that there is uh, what people would call a, a formal setting, which I definitely benefited from, but also from those men that said, hey, there's more to this, and we really want to we really want to show you how to take on this ministry in a personal level and how to grow and have really trained me in that way. Well, that's something I can relate to because those that know me know that my background's a legal background. I'm involved in the uh, legal profession. And I had kind of the same feelings about going to law school because mm-hmm. you have to go to law school to practice law. But the, the formal setting of law school compares almost zero to the actual practice of, yeah. of law. It's out yeah. there getting, doing it, and, and as you said, learning from those who are doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, like I said, I can relate to that. Now, you can answer this if you want to. You don't have to. Okay. Uh, you may want to uh, say there's, uh, you know, I, I'm afraid I'll leave somebody out, but you, you mentioned several people uh, that you've come into contact with uh, that giving you this desire and and help you to learn. Are are there any gospel preachers that you would consider to be a role model? Um. Yes, uh, and they really are the guys that have have taken me under my wing, under their wing. Um. I guess to start with, my granddaddy Howard Rogers is is the guy that I've always looked at and said. If I can be half as good of a preacher as I feel that he is, uh, I will be successful. And and he is always uh, the one that I guess in many ways I, I want to measure up to. I respect him that much. Um, I, I, there, there are a couple of guys through my life that I've listened to that I've thought, man, I wish and I hope that one day I can preach that uh, with that much power and that much uh, conviction and and I think the first guy that I listened to um, now that I now that I've started it uh, can't think of it Tracy Love Tracy Love who is the preacher in Clifton Tennessee another one I remember is and he's not much older than me but I remember hearing him at uh, retreat one time just thought man I wish I could uh, I wish I could preach like that one day and that was Ben Hayes who is the preacher at Holland Park in um, in in Muscle Shoals. Those those guys, when I remember just as a young man hearing them preach and speak and just thinking that's those guys have a heart and passion and it comes through. And I, and I want that to come through in my preaching as well. But some guys that I probably have a more personal relationship that I look up to, uh, both of my youth ministers uh, are, are in full-time pulpit ministry now, uh, Chuck Morris and David Baker. Both of those guys are... Uh, role models, Pauls to me in my life um, that I that I look up to and I talk to frequently, trying to get ideas and advice from. But you know, one thing I've also learned is it's not just about looking up at guys as role models in your ministry. I was talking to uh, a young man that I really have a lot of respect for. He was in my youth group that I was. Uh, the youth minister of, and I was in McMinnville. His name is Jonathan Anderson, and I was talking to him uh, the other night as we were driving home or driving down here. And I truly believe that there's an important relationship that needs to be had between 
older preachers and younger preachers, not just for the younger guy, but what I told him is I said, I enjoy our relationship because you help my mind stay young. And and I appreciate uh, that relationship with him and what he's doing in ministry. And I try to draw from him. I guess you could say I look up to him because he's very effective. He's 10 or so years younger than me from a different generation. And I'm able to learn from him of how to deal with the younger generation. Although I'm not old yet, I do feel like there is a younger generation coming up behind me uh, that I need to be reaching that I, I kind of struggle with so sometimes. So I very much look up to these younger guys who have different ideas and new thoughts that uh, I can I can grow from and learn from as well. Well, you, you mentioned that uh, you're not old yet, and for those that don't know you, uh, haven't read anything about you yet, uh, how old are you? I am 36, just turned 36 uh, a couple of weeks ago, so... I'm officially in my my mid-30s, I guess. My mid to late 30s, as some people have been sure to remind me. Matthew, along the way, we know that you develop hobbies and interests besides preaching. Just looking at your personal Facebook page, it's very obvious that you are a fan of the University of Alabama and also the Atlanta Braves. In fact, as we're recording this, we're keeping up with the score of the Braves game for that first playoff game. Um, So... If any of you hear us holler, you'll know the Braves just uh, hit a home run, but um, <laughs> we'll try not to do that. But speaking of these other interests and hobbies, uh, just tell us about uh, any that uh, you might have. Okay, so yeah, I, I am a big Braves and uh, a big Braves and Alabama fan. The last uh, ten years of my life, I have been either in uh, Arkansas Razorback country or Tennessee football country, and uh, you know the funny thing is is everybody thinks their team's the best but i know mine is but there are certain places that that's uh, inappropriate to share apparently but i had a young lady come in uh the other day and uh, she had on a, a shirt that said it's great to be a volunteer and i said you know that's fake news right there and uh so it's uh, i enjoy the back and forth of college football and uh, maybe even more so than the the football itself uh, but outside of those two things, uh, I love music. Music is one of uh, my favorite passions. I, I play a little bit of guitar, uh, I guess more by talent. Uh, I'm more of a drummer, and, um, and so music has always been something that's been a part of my life and that I just love doing. It's, it's great to connect uh, with different people through that avenue. Um, I am a, a very, very, very amateur photographer, uh, I get lucky about one out of every hundred shots turns out to be something that's worth keeping, but uh, that's that's a hobby that I have found that I can just kind of turn my mind off of of kind of the crazy things in life, and you just really have to focus on what's just right there in front of you. And so uh, photography is a, uh, is a really, really th- good thing that I love, and I uh, hope that uh, there's some pretty places around here that I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to get the camera out and, and um, get the camera out and, and play a little bit, so or play with it a little bit. So speaking of the Braves, my I've got some friends that we, uh, we're we all big Braves fans together, and if you hear my phone buzzing, it's because the Braves just scored. So we try to turn this bad boy off here. 
you talk about photography and, and one out of a hundred shots, at least you didn't grow up back in the days of the film cameras uh, where you could take a hundred shots and until a week later when you go to Walmart or, or CVS or wherever you had your film developed and you get those prints back, you have no clue how many out of, out of that roll of film turned out. So at least we're living in a, a better age now for... Uh, photographers absolutely not just that i mean able to throw them in a photoshop and whether they look good or not you can make them look good later so uh, but it is that's something i do enjoy doing a lot of matthew we've talked about several areas of your personal life uh, but we certainly don't want to leave out the most important part of your personal life and that of course is your family uh, you're married uh, you have three wonderful children and a fourth child on the way so tell us about Blair and the kids. Well, um, Blair and I just celebrated uh, back in August our 10-year anniversary. Uh, the fun story about Blair and I is we met online. We met on a website uh, called churchofchristsingles.com, which uh, we know several other people that have, have met on that site. The, the running joke is um, she cost me thirteen fifty because she's the only girl I dated. Uh as many dates as she went on, I rounded out to about 35 cents. So, uh, uh, but we met in a very unique way and everything in the way that we kind of dated, we dated, got engaged and got married within a hundred days. And there were so many things that people would have looked at and said, there's no way this is going to work. And we've just been too young and too dumb to believe that and have enjoyed 10 wonderful years of marriage uh, you know, our marriage is very much intertwined into our ministry. Uh, we minister together as well, uh, which is such a blessing to have her by my side uh, through this particular um, journey with God. We do have uh, three kids. Um, Collins is nine, Vance is five, and Britton is two. Uh, Britton is our child that never sleeps, and so especially since she's been born, sleep has been uh, few and far knots between uh, but that is okay because again as you said number four will be here late december early january so who needs to sleep anyway but we uh i don't think when we got married we necessarily planned on having this big of a family uh, but it is what god has blessed us with uh, the the running joke here lately is we carry a children's ministry with us everywhere we go which is really how you should kind of look at family anyway especially if you have kids, uh, but we have a lot of fun together, and uh, I, am, I am blessed by all four of those individuals in my life. Your children, I guess I could do the math, but I won't take the time to do it. So what grades in school, the ones that are already in school, what grades are they in? Uh, Collins is in third grade, Vance is in kindergarten, uh, and of course Britton is still at home. Have they started uh, school yet, or when when will they be enrolled? Um, let's see. Uh, today is what? Today is October the 3rd, uh, Thursday night. Uh, they'll start next week on Monday. So we've given them a week off just to kind of adjust and, and find their, their bearings a little bit, unpack their boxes in their room. and uh, But they have. They've enjoyed the break. But I think that come Monday... They will be ready for to go back to school, and I'm pretty sure I'll be ready for them to go back to school as well. So, but we're looking forward to uh, 
to being involved in this school system that we hear is just fantastic. And we're really looking forward to being involved with uh, everybody that's connected to that. So come Monday morning, they'll officially be Haleville Lions. Absolutely. So you'll have to add to your repertoire, in addition to Roll Tide and Go Braves, you'll have to learn Roar Lines. Roar Lines. <laughs> we can handle that. Not a problem. Matthew, as you know, and of course as our listeners know, Ninth Avenue's had a vacancy in our pulpit position for uh, 15 months, or had a vacancy. And while our youth minister, Tyler Hallman, did a great job of holding down the fort during that time, we've been hungering for somebody to step into that role on a full-time basis. So we are just super excited to have you with us now to do that. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, tells us that we need to forget what's behind and to strain toward what is ahead. While Ninth Avenue has a great legacy and has had many excellent preachers of the gospel, tell us what you see ahead for us. What is your vision for not only Ninth Avenue, but for the Haleville community? Well, before I get into that, I want to just, on a, on a very personal level, uh, say thank you to Tyler. Even though I didn't know Tyler until just a, a month or so ago, um, Tyler has uh, Tyler has been a s- preaching superman over the last uh, nearly year and a half. Uh, from what I understand, he has been doing the youth ministry full-time, which in and of itself may be the most difficult ministry in the church. That's just my opinion. Uh, I think during that time, he did a semester of student teaching, um, and then he has also filled the pulpit, I guess on average, three out of four Sundays a month. Um, that is not an easy task. I went through a period of just uh, about six months of being an interim kind of youth and preaching minister, and it was not an easy task. And, and I first, before we talk about what's ahead for for us here at uh, Ninth Avenue, uh, just in the immediate past, I want to just say that I'm I'm excited uh, to get to work with Tyler and really appreciate the work that he has done uh, in this interim period. And and I know that as a church, uh, this church has really shown him so much love and support during that time. But when we think about the future, um, the vision for this church, my, my personal vision for anywhere that I work is, number one, to be as biblical of a place as possible. Uh, which seems like an easy answer, you know, that's that's the easy answer. Uh, I think that the thing that I like to focus in ministry on the most and that I think needs to be a everyday part of the life of a Christian and of a church is discipleship. Jesus, this is his, his last command, but really in many ways his first command. As, as he leaves this earth, he basically says, look, as I'm leaving now, I can say anything that I want to say right now. All this authority has been given to me, but what I'm going to do with it is tell you guys that you need to go out and you need to make disciples. Uh, discipleship is a vital, vital part of a healthy church. It is God's plan A for the growth of his church, and there is no plan B. Yet, in many, many churches, discipleship is not something that is focused on. Uh, Many churches focus on Sunday morning church. They focus on Wednesday night church. And those are great things. Don't get me wrong. Those are very biblical things. 
But true discipleship outside of the church walls very rarely takes place in a lot of churches, which is why I think you see the trend of a lot of our churches and our fellowship getting smaller. I don't like to use the word dying um, because the Lord's church is never going to die. Uh, But we have seen our influence dwindle in a lot of places. And I think it's because we haven't done what Jesus did. Jesus took 12 guys and he spent three years with them personally and prepared them for discipleship. Paul tells Titus, he says, look, You older women, you older men, you get them together and you teach them to train the next generation, to disciple them. And so I want us to become a church that discipleship is at the forefront of what we do. And I believe that if that is what we become and that is who we are, uh, it's kind of like Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, I showed up and I planted, Apollos came behind me and he watered. And then God gave the increase. I think if we make this true discipleship a focus of our church family, God's going to give increase. Um, We don't grow the church. God grows the church. And we can can do things that position ourselves to be blessed by God in that way. And I believe discipleship is, is at the very, very top of that list. And I think as people see us discipling each other, loving each other, connecting with each other, they're going to see that there's something special about this church family, that we're not just another church on the corner. And, you know, the we're called to be peculiar people, but one of the things that's happened in church culture across the board is from one church to the next, the experience isn't necessarily a lot different. Um and, and I think that that's not necessarily a good thing that, uh, some, that you know, a lot of people kind of have a cookie cutter approach to, to what church is supposed to be. But, you know, it's really not about church. It's about Christianity. It's about following Jesus. It's about discipling one another and loving one another. And in, in, a, in a nutshell, that's really in my heart the direction I want us to go. I thought it was interesting. You, you mentioned that discipleship's the first thing Jesus talked about and the last thing, and I really never thought about it until you said that. But as you were saying that, I, I'm thinking, really, the first thing he said to his disciples is, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing he said to them is, go out and fish. Yeah. Um, so that, that was an excellent uh, point you made there. Before we start to wrap this up, is, is anything else that you uh, can think of that you want to uh, let our listeners uh, know about you or, or know about your plans or maybe what you uh, initially plan to talk about um, as you begin your preaching here at Ninth Avenue? Well, the first thing I want to do is offer an invitation, especially to anybody local, uh, to come and be a part of, of what's fixing to happen here at Ninth Avenue. Come and visit us. Come and sit through a period of worship with us. Uh, Come and sit and visit with me in the office uh, through the week, however we can connect. Uh, Over the next few Sundays, this coming Sunday, we're going to start with um, our first lesson. uh, And and for lack of better words, it's pretty much going to be kind of titled around the idea of here we go. You know, what what do we need to make sure we focus on as we move forward? Uh, What do we need to be grounded in? We're going to look at some some famous last words. 
of, of some leaders in Scripture. And then that following Sunday, we are going to dive into uh, probably the rest of the year uh, a study called Building Biblical Community. And we're going to talk about just what it means to be together. We are called uh, a church family, the family of God. And, and to all of us, family, that word carries a certain level of intimacy um, in, our, in our physical families many times. But it seems like a lot of times we miss that spiritual intimacy with each other. The Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can have unity with each other, unity through the Spirit. And I want us to try to tap into that spiritual unity through this study. And I think it will be a very encouraging and even challenging time together. Well, Matthew, we thank you again for joining us for the special podcast We certainly look forward to helping you transform that vision uh, into reality. And as you said, it's really not just your vision. uh, It's the uh, vision um, of our Savior um, and the command of our Savior. But before we do that, uh, we look forward to uh, hearing your very first sermon here at Ninth Avenue this coming Sunday morning. And as you uh, did, we invite all those listening to us to to join us this Sunday in hearing and welcoming Matthew here to Ninth Avenue. For those that don't know, our worship service begins at 10.30. This will follow our Bible classes that begin at 9.30, and our Sunday evening worship service begins at 6 o'clock. So on behalf of Matthew and the Ninth Avenue congregation, thank you for listening to this special episode of our podcast, and our prayer is that God may always Richly bless each and every one of you.